Troops, here we are, we're live. I've lied to you. I said I wasn't going to do another podcast in 2019. However, when opportunity knocks, I take with both hands. And I'm very, very lucky, and he's very lucky, to be on the Eagle podcast in the weird crimbo limbo moment between Christmas and New Year. I'm joined by a very special guest, a man who eventually they'll make an own movie about him. It'll be called It All Moves. <laughs> Starring Connor from Atlas Mountain Aaron. Connor, mate, how are you doing? I'm good, John. How's it going? I'm very well. Connor, you've had a, let's just go straight into it. It's Christmas and all that, but that's boring. Trees under the presents and all that. Roses, toffee coins. Let's talk about accountability in big mountains. Let's dive straight into it. <laughs> right, okay. Aye. So, um, yeah, so I, I work as a mountain guide, basically. Um, and I love being out in the mountains. And in my spare time, I like to go to the mountains as well. So I've just yeah. come back from a, a month-long trip in the Himalayas in Nepal. Wow. Um, and I was there for what, 30 days with, there was five of us in total. Yeah. Um, we were trying, we had a couple of objectives up our sleeve. We were trying to climb an unclimbed face in the back of beyond. Um, and then uh, we just had a couple of other things that we sort of thought about trying. When you say uh, an unclimbed face, for those people who don't know, um, who aren't in the in the know and in the loop, yeah, okay, you, yeah. you've got, you've seen something I either what local knowledge or on a map or or something that you've heard, but you know no one else has been up it. So that therefore, what's the process in sort of doing it um, and completing that objective? Ah, oh, so okay, um, that's a really good question. So basically, there's a. In the Himalayas, in a way, it's a little bit easier. There's a Himalayan database. Nepal oh, well. has a, the Nepali Tourism Association has a list of unclimbed peaks. After they've been climbed, you'll be able to find documentation about them, like uh, from Alpine well, journals and things. Oh, wow. So uh, just as a bit of a process of elimination, it's seen that this peak had been climbed, but it's only been climbed by this one route. So there go this this face that we wanted to do was going to be unclimbed yeah it's actually kind of good doing stuff that way there's a bit of information out there about the mountains you know so there's something to go off you know like you might be able to use this person's route as a descent or something mm. like that uh you sort of know where your base camp might be uh you know because we're basically from the road it took us seven days to walk to the bottom of this thing Wow, <laughs> maybe a bit more actually. By the time we got to the sort of and high camp, how much sort of kit? Obviously, you're carrying hiking kit, food, water, and climbing kit as well. So that's tasty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So for like six days of that, we had porters. Oh, okay. And porters carry um, they carry about thirty kilos. So we're still carrying around about ten, fifteen kilos. Wow. And that takes it all to our base camp, and the base camp is still. Days walk away from an advanced base camp and then another day's walk again to a high camp. Wow. And we had to sort of portage loads ourselves there. So we're talking at uh, like 5,700 meters with a pretty meaty backpack on. Wow. You know, like it'd be 30 kilos, I would have thought. And ferrying, ferrying that load. And, and the part is obviously... The, the legendary of the potters, that these people make them out to be like these absolute machines. Do you know they what I mean? Like they, they are. The, <laughs> the only difference from the legends that you've heard is they're actually only 14 years old and they're doing right. like moonshine. Really? Oh, yeah. Right, they're yeah. absolutely hilarious. Like, and 
And what's their sort of, obviously they live locally and, and that's what they do, isn't it? Like that is their bread and butter. That's what a lot of them do to sustain their village, their families, their yeah. life, livelihoods. It's, it's really interesting. So where we were is less touristic than some okay. other places. So I think to, uh, portering for tourists is a profession in other valleys, mm. but it's a bit rarer in the valley that we were in. Right. So uh, these guys still work as porters, but normally they might carry... Um, like gas cans or big bales of, of, of hay, you know, and anything because they they've got to get stuff yeah. from the road end. Yeah. Yeah. Villages, you know, um, so they have a really hard life <laughs> and, uh, and they're super happy and really nice people. And we're staying in like homestays a lot of the time. So it might be somebody in the village that has a big house. Yeah, on the floor, or some of them like we stayed in a couple of tea houses as well, which are like awesome, like a bunk house, which are really nice. So you get like your own room, but then they're set up for trekkers coming through, and you have your dinner there. And oh, amazing! Uh, you're about to eat, ask me what I'm going to eat, what you eat every night. Well, no, because I, you're going to sort of say some sort of jam and bread or some sort of tagine spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> so I had dalvat every day. On oh, the, is that is every that every there? Is that there? That's Take their chicken yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what it is is white rice and a veggie nice. curry, and uh, like a lentil gravy, right? And then um, you get it all in a big metal tray, and then you mix it all together. So, obviously, carrying all this equipment, hiking altitude, it all takes a toll on the body, and and the calories game becomes a serious issue, doesn't it, for keeping your energy high? Um, what What do you do as a professional? mountain guide and not just a guy who walks up cat bells every Saturday with his wife um, what do you do for that nutrition in, in an environment like that it's so difficult eh? because you only have X amount of luggage allowance right mm-hmm. and you try and keep that you know you don't want to pay through the nose at £10 a kilo when Ryanair picks you up <laughs> um, <laughs> so like we flew some dehydrated ration packs out with us mm-hmm. and they're a thousand calories a meal wow. and they we had enough for 10 nights of food for yeah. five of us. Um, the theory being that we'd have one of those meals a piece when we're out in, out in mm. the mountains to keep the weight low. Outside that, we went shopping in a Kathmandu supermarket. We're buying all sorts of things like porridge. Nice. We, were, we had loads of lentils, so we're cooking our own lentils in the evening. And you mix in the lentils with things like soup packets, mm. custard. It's a pretty grotty diet, actually. Um, and about halfway through the trip, we had uh, a, a guy that was on the trip lives in France, and he bought out a saucisson, like a like a salami, basically. Oh wow! Fried it, and it was like the best thing I've eaten <laughs> ever, you know, because <laughs> it's just fat. All all my body yeah, yeah. was fat, you know. It's fat. Um, it's it's just such an important as much as you can, you know. Yeah, it's such an important part of it, isn't it? Especially in that sort of world of altitude and, and constantly on the move and you, I think every day sort of chips away you doesn't it like maybe you're not sleeping so well or maybe the altitude will get to you or the environment's not maybe what you're used to uh, obviously being cold eat to eat your body's energy but it's it's an amazing thing I always think about that side of it when I see sort of people like you doing the big mountains I think you've got to be fit but I think you've got to get your intake right, haven't you? And you, what you're saying is you've got to buy in Kathmandu and you've got to be prepared to think, I'm not down Asda here. 
I'm at the Kathmandu oh, yeah, supermarket yeah. and I'm just going to have to get what I can get and get the calories in. Um, yeah. And it wears you down, eh? Because <laughs> one of the guys that was on the trip really suffered. You know, had an eye infection, had a chest wow. infection. And then he had a tooth infection. You know, this is what... <laughs> three <laughs> strikes. It, three strikes. Uh, and then he went, he did actually, and then he went down to the village, went down to the nearest village. Uh, uh, and you know, like it's, you're sleeping rough every night, mm. basically. You know, in a tent, it's cold. It, it, yeah, altitude, it's like 4,700 meters, 5,000 meters every it's night as, as a minimum. Yeah. You're just getting tired. You're getting skinnier and you're <laughs> running out of energy. <laughs> what, um... What sort of temperatures were you down to at night? Minus 20. Oh, wow. That'll get you. Aye, that'll do it. Like. <laughs> that, that'll get you. That'll get you shaking. Um, and as well, it's this balance, isn't it? Um, some people are obsessed with it. Um, carry, there's a saying, isn't it? Carry light, freeze at night. What's, what's your take? What, what sort of... Uh, I, I like to... I'm, a big, I'm big on the pack light front, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's, there's ways around it, you know? So, like, I bought a really nice sleeping bag about three or four years ago for another trip. And it's yeah. made, basically made to measure for my height. Oh, wow. So, so there's no wastage on it, you know? Like, there's no... And it's and it packs down to, like, a kilo. It weighs less than my summer sleeping bag. Wow. You know, it's de- and it's about that. You know, about as big as your head. And, and what does that... And I'm always dubious with these comfortable rating on sleeping bags. Comfortable... Yeah. Comfortable minus thirty. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah, so what... this company is called PhD Designs. So right. Should, you know, like uh, go and have a look at them. Yeah, will do. And um, they, they, I'm sure they do give temperature ratings, but they they give like a perfect for climbing in the Himalayas up to right. X altitude. Perfect for doing this wow. somewhere else. So I, I basically like picked the one out of the range. I was like, cool, yeah, perfect for climbing in the Himalayas, six thousand meters. That's exactly where I'm going to go. And then um, I figured I was going to be cold. I just put a jacket on. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was going to say to you. Obviously, um, a lot of people they, they get they get in the sleeping bags and they get in them fully dressed. Um, and actually, back in the military days, I was we were always taught that sort of strip down and allow the body heat to to escape, but it fills the sleeping bag and you pull everything yeah. tight and you're sort of in a cocoon. But I know people getting in sleeping bags, you know, wet trousers on, wet coats. It's yeah. A sleeping bag is sacrilege, especially on hard days. It's like, it, it's it's something that you look forward to, isn't it? Oh yeah, totally. So um, it's a little bit different in the UK. So it, you'd you'd know it's hard routine, right? Yeah. So when I go camping in the UK, I'll never get into a sleeping bag with wet or snowy gear. No, no. But it's so dry in the Himalaya. Right. Okay. The, like I was fully clothed. Every yeah. night in my sleeping bag. Uh, the only yeah. difference, like obviously, not got my boots on, in there, you know. Yeah, no, that's that, that's that's fair enough. So you you you've you've got the porters, you've trekked in as far as they can. Yeah. You, you you come to your face. Do you, as sort of a mountaineer, do you sort of look at it for the first time, and are you looking for the weakness, or are you looking and scanning, thinking which is my way up here, and are you already pre-recking a like a sort of part ledge stop in your mind, or so we've got, by the time it's got to us getting to Nepal, we've already seen we've oh, okay. our objective, right? Yeah. So the next step from seeing the photo and then standing underneath it is like, how much <laughs> does that photo match yeah. up with, with what I've yeah. seen? Because, you know, that might have been five, ten years ago. Yeah. Conditions are, might be completely different. So yeah. 
And these, these places are always changing. While we were there, stood right underneath it, there was a huge Serac fall from the top of the face. Wow. And, it, you know, like, and then a huge snow cloud covered us all. And we are like two or three, let's say two kilometers away from the bottom of this face. And it's like a huge, and then all the dust settles, the snow settles, and you're like, right, okay. <laughs> so actually the objective that we were there originally to climb when we got there just wasn't going to be safe. Right. <laughs> so, you know, like it's between Serac fall and snow conditions just wasn't going to happen. So yeah, you've got to come up with some other yeah, yeah. So we tried, we had another route up our sleeves for this particular mountain and the snow was just too deep. Wow. So from, and it was going to be too dangerous as well. Um, so we spent a night out at 6,200 meters in, in tents. So we had uh, a couple of tents with us. So it's 6,2, you are technically dying, aren't you? Because you're 200 meters over what they say. Don't they say over 6,000 meters, your body's like saying... We're on the way down. I've, I've read something about 6,000 metres being this golden, like you're dying over 6,000 metres. 6,000 metres is a pretty cool place to be, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it felt pretty good to, to get there. Get uh, your head down, yeah. At like 8,000 metres, your body's basically eating itself. At right. 6,000 metres. I didn't feel too bad, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, and that's going to sound really weird, isn't it? No, we no, spent a not. lot of time uh, ferrying loads, acclimatising and working really hard to get there. Mm. Um, we're climbing as a three up some really wild ground with like huge seracs bigger than nice. like bigger than buildings you know <laughs> and, and holes like like a crevasse I'd look down into this crevasse and be like I can see Australia down there yeah. like, I'd just never seen anything like it, it, was, it was, the scale of the place was uncomprehendable and, and so going back to what you said um, about for those and real life not doing things justice and you, you'll see it on instagram and i do like i say people take photos of, of like sharp edge example and i and i think you could look at that photo and think i'm gonna go crack that saturday and then turn up on saturday and think i, I think i've got the wrong spot <laughs> because that looks quite serious yeah. um, so this um this route that we we're going to take onto this ridge so you imagine a, a yeah. peak like this and down yeah. here there's a call at six thousand meters yeah. right we thought when we got to that call, basically we were just going to be able to walk across, <laughs> find a nice spot to camp. And when we got up there, it's like 60 degree snow. And three of us are climbing across, sort of tied together, trying not to fall in any big holes. Wow. You know, and, I would, you know, with very minimal amounts of gear in between each other. And uh, eventually where we managed to stop for the night was, yeah, it was just like a, a mental spot, a huge crevasse right behind us. And behind the crevasse was this Serac, but we were sheltered from the wind. And what we did to figure out if it was safe, we got this guy that we we're climbing with. So it was Will and Simon and myself. Yeah. Simon is a big six foot five unit. Like right. So I sat on the other side of this wind lip with the snow. Sat yep. down and be laid Simon while he jumped around in, in a square wow. to fall through. <laughs> so basically, uh, fair enough, but you, yeah, that's what you had to do to make sure it was uh, safe to sleep on. I mean, that's what you have to do, isn't it? And obviously, if he had gone through, he, he's tied on any, so yeah, it's just a good bit of forward, bit of safe, a bit of um, safe 
Steph Danger? Is that the right word? I don't know. You don't um, really want to catch Simon. Like, he's a big guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah lock, lock him off. Will, so you, Will was sat behind me, cuddling <laughs> me, just like, <laughs> two of us all, two of us all add up. It's all it's, it's truly a great adventure, though, isn't it? You know, it's, it is truly the great outdoors, and, and at its most lethal and most stunning, obviously, at the same time. Um, that's that's what I really like actually is these big trips that we go on mm. and we have a good adventure yeah not just the like climbing that I really enjoy anymore it's not just walking or camping or going traveling to different places it's when it all comes together yeah. you know like and yeah you just have a wicked time in the middle of nowhere with your mates yeah, yeah. and something yeah. really cool about sat, sat around a base camp just catching a crack and drinking tea you know um on the sort of obviously you on the navigation side, what what are you, what's the mapping like out there? I mean, I remember from Morocco, you had like a very old school sort of Russian map. Is, yeah, yeah. Has it been mapped out there or is it reliable or? Yeah, so there's mapping uh, and it's okay. Um, <laughs> the the best, so there's two maps that we had. One was a more modern map, but the scale was it's like one to 150,000. All right. So the amount of detail that you can get was very minimal. Yeah. And, you know, you look at what we were going to cover in a day, it was maybe like three, four centimeters. So okay for a scale of the whole area, but not very good for um, mm. what, what you and I would call nav, right? Yeah, yeah. And then there's another map, um, I think a German map from 92. Right which doesn't sound that long ago, but <laughs> since 92, the glaciers receded about six or seven kilometers. Oh, wow. Um, so the world's a different place on this mm. map than what it is when we saw it, you know? That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing, isn't it, with, with, with maps? It's, um, yeah. fact, I always say fact and fiction because it's, it's how, how old is the map and has it, and has it changed? And obviously, yeah. you know, if, Massively has changed since 92 and probably barring, you know, probably high, high peaks. Yeah. You know, things are going to change quite a bit. Contours don't lie, though. That's cool yeah. thing, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> they don't. No, they don't. Um, so, don't. you know, like, we're, so we still still had a map and compass with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then do a lot of, during the acclimatization process, you do a lot of wrecking. So you're taking mm. a lot of photos and you're, you can sort of work out where you are from them. Had a GPS unit with me. Yeah. Um, I think I was just good to practice practicing it. Yeah. And I had a, like a GPS watch with me as well. And those things, oh, I don't know. So using the GPS watch mainly as an altimeter. Yeah. Gives you a really good idea of where you are mm-hmm. uh, and where you're supposed to be. <laughs> and then, uh, And then when you come back at the end of this trip, you can see what it's been, you know, where you've been to and how your day's been. And it gives you a good idea, keep track of acclimatization. Yeah. A good practice would be like five, 600 meters of acclimatization gain a day. Yeah. And that can be stretched, you know. Um, But more than that, you're really like pushing the boat out in terms of safety. So you might only have one day where you could do more than 700 meters of acclimatization. And then you're going to have to be real cautious the next couple of days. So we had a big no, up to 6,200 metres and I was sick that night, you know, because we, we really stretched it out, you know. And you, it's, it's very hard to keep on top of routine, isn't it? As in you've got to 
things we take for granted, like, oh, I'll just have a drink out of my Camelback or I'll just get a Mars bar. All these things just, it's so much harder, isn't it, to keep on top of your own personal admin? Especially... So we were uh, busied out, right? Uh, like, listen to this. Yeah. And it like, whoa, it must have been two, three o'clock in the morning. I was absolutely gasping for a drink. And I mean, absolutely yeah. gasping. And we've got a, a water bottle in between Will and I in this tiny little tent. Right, I need a drink. Where's the water bottle? It's here. And I'm trying to get it open. I, I, the top's frozen, like really fucking frozen. Yeah. And I just can't get it. And Will's like, obviously I've woken Will up by now. And you try not to move because the inside of the tent's covered in ice. And if you move, it snows inside the tent. Oh. <laughs> so I opened the tent door and got Will's boot. And I was smashing this water bottle off the boot. And Will's just like getting snowed on inside the tent. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, so like, and this went on, you know, I was trying to get a drink of water for like half an hour. <laughs> and all I wanted was just like a sip of water. I eventually managed to crack it out, and, you know. But, but just what you were saying, you know, the simple things take a lot of time. And, and they take a lot of energy. And it's almost like, is it going to be worth doing it? But you have to, and it's one thing I sort of, when I'm, when I'm with people, I'm always like, you must keep on top of yourself. Do you know what I mean? The moment it's an issue, it, it's almost over for you. You know, yeah. and de- dehydration is, is right up there, isn't it? With game over mode. Um, You've got and, to be bothered to look yeah. after yourself, right? You know? Yeah. You've got to be bothered. Um, like so a pair of gloves or a jacket or, oh, you know. I know, gloves. Um, if you lose a glove out there, you lose fingers. That's the way I think about it, isn't well, we're it? All, lose... We're all guilty of it, you know. Like, <laughs> we're the three of us are breaking trail up this hill, and uh, and I'm like, I've got cold hands. I'm like, Phew. the other guys probably have cold hands. Should we stop and swap gloves over? Nah. <laughs> yeah. And then we and eventually we stopped. And we're like, our oh, hands are really cold. They might put an extra layer on. And the boys are like, yeah, really cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're all really, but not, we're all just like idiots here. Yeah, we we go into we go into that sort of like I'll just I'll just grizz it mode. I'll just push through mode. But um, yeah, you, you might get away with that when you're boshing around the Lake District, but you won't get away with it where you are. And, and it's important to keep on top of nutrition and and and, and hydration and, and definitely sort of layers. Otherwise, you come back with a few less digits than you went out with, don't you? I suppose is the yeah. is the way to look at it. Um, so obviously. The trip didn't sort of go to plan. Um, no, no. Um, it all moves is a saying I say a lot, but yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, talk us through uh, the moment you realised that um, you were in for a bit of a tasty old uh, couple of hours. So basically, after trying this peak uh, from the 6,200 metre call, realised the snow was really bad. We decamped mm-hmm. from high camp back to the advanced base camp, back to the base camp, ferried all their gear back over a couple of days. And um, after all that was done, we had a couple of days left in the base camp. Right. Um, you know, like th- maybe three possible climbing days left. Um, from there, we were like, well, we can go back to the village early and eat loads of chips. Or, <laughs> which, you've, <laughs> you've eaten lentils for the next last 20 days. <laughs> chips are sounding real good. Yeah. Chips is chips is uh, give us a bearing, isn't it? I'm on, I'm on, I'm on bearing for the chips. Yeah, yeah, there's yaks around the base camp. And you're like, I wonder how many walking poles it would take to kill a yak. <laughs> um, I'd do some yak burgers right now. Mm. Um, there's a the guys that lent us this map with these Italian guys, and they'd highlighted this peak that they'd tried in '97, 
that's unclimbed. Right. Will and I and Simon decided to go give it a go. Right above the base camp. Wouldn't need to ferry any loads. We're just going to be able to go give it a go, basically. Um, not really had too much of a look at it. Had a look at it from a couple of different angles when we're ferrying loads, but never really paid it much attention. Um, the route that we're going to do comprises of two unclimbed peaks with a technical ridge up to the first one and then in between the two. In between the two, somewhere in here, there was a call. Yeah. Um, and the aim was we're going to go fast, we're going to go light, really well acclimatized by now because we've been above the altitude of the highest of the two peaks. Yeah. Um, not going to take baby gear, just going to go for it. Yeah. Um, set off at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, I had some breakfast and that. Off we went mm. up the hill. As a, as we got to the sort of start of the rock, um, Simon had a really bad cough. So he went down. So it's just Will and I were climbing as a pair, sort of uh, split the gear in between us. We started off and the ridge, it was all loose, you know, it's loose rock. Climbed a lot of loose rock before. And we set off, and we started off soloing, you know, felt fairly comfortable. And then uh, started getting a bit more hard. Um, and maybe a bit more consequential, you know, just thinking about likelihood versus consequence all the mm. time, you know. Uh, so we roped up and we did something what I'd call moving together, which yeah. is where you both have a fixed length of rope and yeah. you move at the same time and you place bits of gear. And what that's doing is it's just keeping you attached, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, if one of you fell, you'd both have a major accident. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mutual destruction. Mutual You're destruction. Both. <laughs> but but nobody you know the idea is nobody's gonna die and you still attach the mountain yeah um after that it was, it's probably around about 10 o'clock now having been on a go since two o'clock in the morning sun's come up had some uh, had a cup of tea we've stopped brewed up um we have climbed the first of the two unclimbed peaks yeah um and we did an abseil down and then from the, after this abseil, we decided that the ground looked tricky enough that we were going to do something called pitching. Right. Uh, pitching is where one person is fixed to a belay. Yeah. And then somebody leads in front. Yeah. And they place bits of gear, uh, like bits of protection that they put into the rock that the yeah. person behind will take out. The idea being that if the person in front falls, yeah, so a bit of gear and this is the person that's leading, they can only fall that far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're climbing along this ridge. Yeah. So we're going up and down. Even the person that's leading, it's really co complex ground. It's still really mm. loose. I climbed down, and I went as we're looking along the ridge to the next peak. I went left underneath some overhangs, and I climbed up and through these overhangs. Now I was basically pulling uh, bits of rock off the size of like uh, like a small microwave, basically just yeah, like. Yeah. Don't need that anymore. That's no good. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I came out onto the crest of the ridge. Yeah. And I was like, right, I could be there here. But there, and there was a rock pinnacle in front of me. Yeah. I thought, right, I could be there here. I'll bring Will up to me. And then I was like, oh, but Will's going to have to go up and over this rock pinnacle to, for us to get any further along towards this mm -hmm. call and up to the next peak. Um, so I was like, right, I'll just go and I'll be able to be there from the top of this rock pinnacle. I was like, or maybe even down from the other side, I might be able to sling the whole pinnacle, like put a big bit of rope around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so up I go, you know, 
Um, and I get, and this pinnacle is maybe about, so there's a crest of the ridge and the pinnacle of rock is maybe about seven meters. Right. So it's a fairly chunky piece of yeah, rock. Yeah. So think like three times the height of a door. Yeah, it's a beast. Um, and it's really high. Like I'm really high. I'm still working hard. It's like 5,800 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one foot below the top of the pinnacle, both hands on the top. Yeah. And I went to put my knee and I put my left knee on the top of the pinnacle. As I went to bring my right knee, right knee up, the whole thing just fucking fell off. Uh, wow. The whole pinnacle. So the whole thing just went. Um, from there, wow. I went. So I've climbed up from the left. Yeah. And I went to the right with, with the whole pinnacle Shit. underneath me, you know. Um, and I went head first with all this rock knocking me about. Um, ah, I thought that was it. Right. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, Christmas was cancelled. Index. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and then the rope caught me and I was like, wow, okay, cool. Still here, still in the yeah. game. Um, my first thought was like, got to get back up there and be basically. Yeah. Uh, I turned around and I tried to put my foot down. So I tried to put my toe on an edge so my, and my foot wasn't there. And I was like, wow. and I looked down and my left foot was facing around about, well, just less than 90 degrees. Wow. Clockwise. So it's pointing the wrong way. Um, were, you, were you in any pain or was the whole shock of it just in mode then? I, could, I couldn't breathe. Wow. Um, so it's, and I guess if you broke your leg like that at sea level, you'd be hyperventilating. But yeah, not only yeah. am I hyperventilating it, I'm also at you know, like nearly 6,000 metres. There's not much air, is there? No, no. And I'd already been trying really hard. Um, mm. So like, I'm just going like... <sighs> Um, and I was in, I knew it was sore and I was looking yeah. at it. I was like, that's going to be really sore really soon. Yeah. Um, and like, a, I don't know. I, I didn't really think much about it. I knew that if I didn't, if my leg wasn't going to face the right way, the chance of getting out of there, mm. not good. Serious, yeah. Um, best case scenario, I might lose a limb. You know, if there's no, if there's no blood flow to the bottom of the limb. And you, you you're lose obviously... Or you lose a limb. You're doing triage, obviously, in a really bad situation, aren't you? Like, you're now in triage mode where you sort of first aid and, and your mountaineering training have kicked in and you've gone, well, I'm still alive. However, I'm still in a dangerous position and my leg's not pointing the way it should. So I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to do something here now, which yeah. is going to be a little bit sort of uh, tasty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, de- I just wasn't even thinking about that. I just knew... Where I was, yeah. The only way that Will and I are getting out of there from now is Will and I. Yeah, you know, yeah. we might get help at some point, but it's not going to be in an hour. Yeah. You know? Um, and and I knew that in the back of my head, so I relocated my leg by oh. smashing it against the rock um, next to me. Um, I don't think they teach that in the first aid course, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> Smash leg against the rock. And I. I, I can't remember how many times I hit it. Must have been oh. once, at least at least once or twice. And, um, and then I checked for blood. Yeah, yeah, for um, blood flow. Uh, no, not for blood flow. For, oh, for just, blood, just for right. Okay. Because uh, I was worried that it might be an open fracture. So oh. 
an open fracture is where the bone is poking out of the yeah, leg yeah. or out of the limb, right? Uh, and that, oh yeah, it'd have just been that would have been real bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that have, would... you know, I'd have probably bled out and died. Maybe, and then maybe obviously not. The, you know, but... the, the the consequences of that is not only do you maybe die, but your mucker, he's then left in a situation where now he has to try and descend something like that on his own. Yeah. Then well, <laughs> bearing in mind that Will is forty meters away from me on the other yeah. side of the ridge and still doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, he's lost. Yeah. Um. So all he's, all he knows is that the rope has gone really tight. Tight. Yeah. Um. And that if he lets out rope, it's still tight. So he knows that my weight is completely on the rope and I'm yeah, not yeah. taking in. You know, so he know he's held a fall. He knows that. Yeah. Um. And he's waiting for something to happen that means that situation is going to change. Mm. So after I relocated my leg, I knew that I had to build a belay. Um, and I was trying really hard not to pass out. Yeah. Um, and my, like, my eyes were going all over the place and I couldn't focus on anything. And where I was, there was this uh, like big flake of rock that I was convinced I could put a, a sling behind like a climbing sling yeah yeah and I, I couldn't see it. i couldn't see it like i basically i was trying to thread it uh, for a couple of minutes and i was like this isn't going to work i'm gonna have to think of something else here so it's just so yeah yeah all over the place uh but eventually built a belay and managed to belay will up to the so i tr and then i got my weight onto this belay so all of a sudden there's no weight on will's rope will feels that the weight has come off and he knows that he's going to be able to start climbing. Wow. Um, he got up to the top of the ridge and I told him exactly what I'd done. Um, <laughs> I was like, I fell, got hit by loads of rock. I'm not concussed. Left leg, above boot fracture. It's not open. Um, I don't think I've broken anything else. Uh, no signs of internal bleeding. Wow. That I can see. Um, and he's like, right, okay, cool. Um, let me just build a belay. And then from there on, yeah. There's a... so so I, I sort to... of managed to climb up to him. Yeah. Um, while Will's hauling me, you know. Uh, and we sort of uh, splinted my leg. We had to splint. You know, yeah. What did uh, you use? Would you have any sort of trekking poles? Did you use a trekking pole or? Um, I'd actually, so actually, I did have a, a pole in my rucksack, but we didn't oh. use a pole. All right. Um, I will duct taped my toes together. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And uh, that worked really well. Mint. And then I wrapped uh, loads of spare climbing cord and slings around yeah. my legs Brilliant in a yeah. crisscross. Yeah, like that. Um, and then I took a another bit of cord and I looped it over my toe of my broken foot, yeah, or my, or my broken leg, and I clipped it to my harness to stop it from flopping. Yeah, yeah, flopping down, flopping that way, just so I could sort of control it a little bit. Um, it was a really bizarre sensation. Yeah. Obviously, it's dead painful. Um, but it also felt like when you see when you stand in snow and underneath your boot squeaks. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Wow. But that's the that's 
that was those bones like rubbing together mm. like that. <laughs> it's 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 amazing. Like that pinnacle has probably been stood there for a long, 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 long thousands of years thousands until I got years. there <laughs> and, it, and but the thing is that pinnacle and you're in my in the way I look at things you have both been heading towards that destiny do you know what I mean like and then yeah, this yeah. moment comes because how does a big piece like that just just go but what it doesn't get a lot of it doesn't get a lot of sort of movement over it not even like I wouldn't even thought like wildlife even gets over it quite a lot. There's certainly not a lot of footfall going across it. Like for stuff to move, it's yeah. just a bird might have landed on it. Yeah, at some point, you know, <laughs> at like... some point. But it's certainly not a well-trodden path. And no, so we this... were the first people to have been yeah. on that section of ridge. And then you give it a good Scottish Alpine knee, and that's it. It's <laughs> it's gone. It's just sitting yeah. there. I thought it... a lot about. Um about this obviously over the last mm. so I've been out of hospital now for five weeks had an yeah. operation that. and uh, just sort of what led up to it you know yeah. would it so I've not made any decisions that were wrong mm. you know? like uh, we, did, we did everything right basically um, the only thing that could have changed there was two two major things that could have changed right we could have stopped at some point and turned around yeah but the day's going well the weather's good and we've got a potential exit of this call that we haven't got to yet. Yeah, so, yeah. well, like, well, why? So you're just not going to turn around, are you? The other thing that could have happened is I could have stopped to the bottom of the pinnacle and belayed Will. Then we'd have both been probably up up Shit Creek, really. I, I uh, just think it's or, or you know, Will would be where I am. Yeah, you, you're an adventurer, and when you're an adventurer, you, it's part of the territory. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. If you want safe, then just go down Costa and sat there and drink drink lattes. Maybe he's get burned. I don't know, but you can't ever you can't overanalyze why things happen. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's just one of those things. And obviously, to get down, you told me off 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 air that um some sort of crazy like through the legs abseil was used. What was that like? <laughs> so well, so the the it's only just starting to get good really. When I got to the, to the top of this ridge. Um, Will and I knew that you know, like it's gonna get pretty tasty then. So the first set of uh, mountain that we had to deal with was quite steep, uh, yeah. a little bit loose on that, but you know, reasonably steep. And actually, that's not such a bad thing. So Will lowered me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm on my own, just sliding on my side, basically. Yeah. Um, trying to keep my bad leg away from the rock, so I'm laying yeah. on my side. Um, he lowers me about ninety meters, seven, you know, somewhere between seventy and ninety meters. Yeah, and I'm sort of sort of rattling off stuff, um, trying to make sure I don't hurt myself any further. Will comes down to me then, and from there we did another sort of two hundred and fifty meters of wow. abseiling together. Yeah. Now, the ground now isn't as steep as that first lot, yeah. Um, which makes things a little bit more tricky because mm. it means that I, laying on my side, I'm no yeah. longer sliding yeah. over, over ground. So Will needs to sort of half carry me and half abseil. <laughs> so I spent the next sort of seven hours. Oh, or wow. So, uh, maybe, probably more, like, 
basically dangling in between Will's legs or next to Will. Um, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like, Will is a total hero. Like, yeah, I was absolutely. Without Will. Yeah. He, you know, he was doing everything. He's pulling the ropes. He's making the belays. He's getting everything sorted. Normally, if you're abseiling on terrain like that, you'd move out of the way mm. because there's all this loose rock. I mean, I can't mm. tell you how loose it is, but basically, mm. I'm just lying there, sack of tatties, <laughs> with stuff flying over just, me. Oh, yeah, nothing you can do about it all, no? Nothing, no, no. Uh, just with my rucksack <laughs> over my head. <laughs> it's, yeah, and <coughs> the. So you get to a point where, how did you get the helicopter to come in? Like that's that in itself is like a an amazing story of like. So when I um, when I made the belay at the top of the ridge, um, was trying just after I'd relocated my leg. I had a something called a Garmin InReach in my yeah. pocket, um, which is a satellite tracking device. It has the ability to send messages. It's a two-way, it's a two-way device. You, uh, you can text people. You text your friends and family at home. Yeah. Also has an SOS button on it. That SOS button is linked to an office, like a Garmin office operation center somewhere. Yeah. Um, they get the SOS call and they start communicating you with you by text message. Oh wow. It's a subscription service, so they already have your details. My insurance details were already in there. Emergency contacts, things like that. Prior planning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'd press this button then. Yeah. And uh, in between the abseils, while Will was doing the other bits that needed to be done, I've been communicating with uh, Garmin. Wow. Uh, telling them exactly what's going on. Yeah. And they were like, um, are you able to spend the night where you are. Um, no, we're going to relocate helicopter. Not possible from this location, you know. Right. Okay. And it's not possible due to the altitude or is it the ground itself or just the ter- everything factors? A, a, a mixture. Mm. You know, like the terrain was not going to be suitable for a helicopter. Yeah. Um, the principles of mountaineering is it's warmer the lower you go. Right, yeah. okay, so we're high. Yeah. We don't have overnight kit with us. So you get down. So you've got to get you know, down. Yeah. got to get down. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be really cold. Um, yeah, so after all this abseiling, um, we've sort of worked out that the Garmin has told us that a helicopter is going to come, but it's not going to be until tomorrow. Right. Um. Will and I sort of already discussed that I knew that he was going to have to leave at some point. Right. We didn't have the kit for an overnight. Mm. He needs to go tell the other guys that we're with what's going to go on, what's going on, why we're not back yet. Yeah. Uh, So he left at about three o'clock in the afternoon. And then from then until about midnight, I started dragging myself down the hill. Wow. Um, and I, before the sun went down, Will and I had a chat. We could see some orange rocks at the bottom of this call. So yeah. we'd made it to the call, basically. We'd sort of managed to get in there, see the orange rocks at the bottom. And I thought a helicopter was going to be able to land on somewhere close enough to carry me to the helicopter. 
Will and I are both in the mountain rescue team. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we're having these chats all the time. We both know that the helicopter won't fly you there because there's no exit strategy. Yeah. Helicopters are the nose into things and they want mm. to be able to fly out that fly way. Fly out, yeah. Um, they don't like being being closed in. Um, so I looked at those orange rocks and I was like, I'm going to get myself down there. And that's where you're going to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> Best of um, plans. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't actually end up making it down there, but um, some sort of goal was really important right then. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you need to set a goal, don't you? Like you need to say, yeah. so I need to get to there because that's what's getting you going, isn't it? Through through the day, I'd had about so since two o'clock in the morning. Uh, we're talking about nutrition, right? So it's two o'clock in the morning, previous day. It's now eleven o'clock at night. I've got my head torch on. I'm still dragging myself down the hill. Uh, since breakfast, I've had. 500 ml of water and a Snickers bar. Wow. Um, and I'm looking, I've got a Snickers bar in my pocket next to this Garmin inReach. And I'm like, when I get to this rock down there, I'm going to have a bite. And, you know, just working the day out like that. Jesus. And, and I, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, you'll have heard it, I've heard it when people say, I, I can't go on, I'm exhausted. Like, I, you were probably close to what your exhausted is. Do you know what I mean? Your body's took a big, massive hit. You've spent, you know, you've been out mountaineering in, in that environment for a period of time. You're worn down. You, you, I think you must have been sort of right on the very limit of what, what is actually physically, yeah, I'm done. Do you know what I mean? I think what you've done there is you've dug into like, you found another 10% and then gone, well, actually I need another five. And if we've got it, another seven <laughs> to keep, to keep the engines on. It just so wasn't even on, like stopping wasn't even on the cards. Yeah, like, it wasn't like, yeah, was not a an option that even came into the field of vision there. Like for, straight straight away from when that accident happened, it was like tasks mm. rather you know things need to be done. Like okay, legs point the wrong way, sort it out. We need to get a pill. Build a belay and then we need to abseil. Yeah, yeah, we need to set yourself goals. Yeah. Will Will needs to leave now because he needs to go get a tent. And needs to go get the other guys so we can get out of here. You know, I need to get there because they're going to struggle to get up here. Yeah, yeah, and it, you need to do self-preservation, don't you? You you need to fight for your own survival. Like, yeah, you need to go into like total warrior mode. And um, so, what point did you hear? What point did you hear the helicopter? The the the, the sweet sound of the waka waka coming in. <laughs> Yeah, that was good, man. When I saw that helicopter, I was having a good time. <laughs> uh, after Will left, um, I saw these head torches coming up the valley. Um, and what it was is Big Sai, the guy that mm. turned around yeah. at 2 o'clock in the morning, or whenever he turned around, had packed up loads of kit from the base camp. So he's carrying enough stuff for two people. Food, water, sleeping bags, group mm. shelter. Wow. And he's making his way up this hillside over what actually turned out to be really horrible, complex ground. Right. It's cliffs and gullies and it's loose, you know, like a 60 degree slope, 50 degree slope and everything's mobile, everything's moving, you know, like wow. fridge-sized blocks that are just moving without touching them, you know, like, wow. uh, yeah. So, and he's doing that at night and all he can see is my head torch. I actually had a whistle with me. Old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was blowing this whistle. I was like, 
And I finally heard Simon shout and I was like, thank God it's Simon. You know, like if there's somebody that you want to come and carry you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big, like big sigh. Yeah. Bloody <laughs> <laughs> hell. Uh, I mean, like, I saw him come over this rib. And I was like, I'm really happy to see you, man. He's like, uh, really happy to see you too, buddy. And I was like, are the other guys coming up? He's like, no, you've just got me. I was like, all <laughs> oh, right, how are we going to get down? He's like, we're spending the night here, man. I was like, all right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Fair. Uh, that's fair. That's fair play, man. That's, and of course, like the other guys didn't come up, but there's there's a reason to it. You you, you don't want to compound the the casualty rate, do you? Do you know what I mean? You've got to make so basically smart Will's decisions. Knackered. Yeah, like he's burst. Yeah, he's out of action. I've never seen Will tired. Yeah, he was when Simon got there. Will was curled up in a ball. Wow. With his down jacket on the floor in the grass. Wow. He's done. Yeah. Um, the other guy. So one of these guys has got a tooth infection. He's down in the valley. Yeah, he's trying to sort out some other evacuation plans. Um, and then that leaves Ken, who was there as like a base camp manager. Will, yeah, yeah, just to mind the kit. Yeah, important part of it, yeah. Ken used to climb with Will's dad in the 70s. Wow. Like a Himalayan legend, you know. He's yeah. got so much experience under his belt. So Ken had come up to help Simon get up there but without coming onto the, the steep hillside, you know. Mm. Um, so it's only, si- only Simon's in play, really. So Simon and I, Simon chopped out a ledge out of this scree and uh, sat me on it on top of my rucksack. And we had, some, had a bit of food, had some, something to eat. Uh, and I was like, do you have any painkillers? And he's like, yeah, I brought some really good painkillers. And he like popped these two pills out and I, he handed them to me and I was like, where's the codeine? <laughs> he's like, got some bad news, mate. Rich took it down to the village with him for that tooth infection. I was just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> tooth infection, yeah, no, it's fair play. Yeah, it turned out it. got two, two small anti-inflammatories. Well, well, at least, at least you had something, I suppose. And then, what was the um? Oh, and then the helicopter the next day, right? Yeah. That what was it? What was the helicopter trip like? What was it like to be? You know, you, you talk about the helicopter comes in. Did it land or did they winch you up? Uh, neither. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the the cool thing about this Garmin Inreach, right, is it's yeah. a, it, it's always pinging a GPS to location to the yeah. emergency services. Wow, that's amazing. So they knew where we were. So the pilot flew in came to say hello and and left and i was just like where are you going yeah you know we'd, we'd made eye contact like <laughs> why are you leaving yeah um and I, I sent the government guys an email or you know a text message whatever yeah. you want to call it i'm like helicopters just left <laughs> why <laughs> question mark <laughs> exclamation mark <laughs> and um yeah the the mess there was depositing men on the ground and I was like there is no way these guys are going to get a stretcher up here yeah that's what I thought their sort of plan was I'm like that's not going to work like no need winched like and actually what they were doing so the helicopter came back uh, 15 minutes later with a, a rope clipped to the bottom of the helicopter right and Simon clipped me in screwed the carabiners up yeah 
we gave the the signal, which we is like, up. yeah, yeah, get me out of here, and um, off we went, just straight up and gone. Yeah, yeah, me dangling maybe about like eighty meters beneath the helicopter. Wow. Yeah, uh, and they flew me all the way back along the valley down to the base camp, all the way past this ridge that had taken us all day. You know, wow. like all that effort, and it just like fifteen minutes. Straight back down. Straight back down. They dropped me off. And then uh, they put the helicopter back together. So it was just the pilot in the helicopter. Yeah, and you had to strip it for weight. Yeah, so they stripped it com- completely out. So they'd taken the doors off. Wow. They'd taken the seats out, and they took the carpet up, and they were flying it on minimal fuel. Yeah, to um, do what they had to do. Yeah, yeah. When I spoke wow. to the pilot, he was like, yeah, I was giving it... Uh, Full power hovering. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, cheers. Giving it big cheers. licks. But yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Some epic licks. flying by the, yeah. by the pilot, though. What, um, what, what's the pilot? What's the sort of pilot's background? Like, is he some sort of like ex Vietnam veteran or something? Or is he local? He's a, as far as I'm concerned, he's Superman. Yeah, um, he's a legend. <laughs> yeah, he's a total legend. God. He is a Norwegian guy that's a Canadian yeah. resident. And he yeah. is called Dangmar. And he comes to Nepal every year for the rescue season. Right. Of which Ali. I am a number. I hope he's on Instagram. Do you know if he's on Instagram? I'd love to follow Dangmar, see what he's, see what he's up to today. Checking um, in, going. So what, uh, what the helicopter company, it's a private company. Okay. Um, and you can follow them on Instagram. Oh, I'm definitely doing it. It's called Kalish. Kalish? Kalish Helicopters. Yeah, definitely, definitely. If there's anyone worth a follow, uh, it's definitely be them then. The, um, they posted some videos that I found maybe about two weeks later. And it's oh, me. awesome! And and, and there's it's me dangling on <laughs> the helicopter in my yellow sleeping bag. Mint. It's like a banana flying through the sky. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, kind of. It's been absolutely fantastic, and we're, we're you know we're we're flying through this, and I and I don't want to rush it, so we'll, we'll we'll definitely have a part two. So what we'll do is um, we'll finish with the five watts, but yeah, yeah. I don't want to sort of condense the recovery process and especially what Atlas Mountaineering's doing in 2020 into sort of the last five minutes. So we'll we'll do the five watts and then um, in next year we'll 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 get onto it and we'll uh, we'll get it sorted out. Um, so uh, the first one, um, what's the greatest advice you've been given? Um. My dad always taught me that he always he always said you know, look after number one before you look after anybody else. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's like that's some really good advice. I use I think about that a lot at work, and I think about it a lot when I'm climbing with friends. Yeah. You know, and it can be something like just making sure I've got that extra layer on when I need it, so I'm yeah. in a position to look after other people. Yeah. You know? I need to do these things before I, I do it for other people, you know, or yeah. it can be something like making sure I'm clipped in before I would do other things. You know? Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, yeah. Look after number one. That's a, that's a captain number one. Yeah. You gotta live by that. Um, second one, what's on your bucket list, either personally or, or as a, as a company. Loads of stuff. Like, <laughs> 
Um, I, this was a really difficult question because I was like, yeah. oh, he's going to want one thing, isn't he? No, I know, you showed it. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, the other side of this peak that I fell off, there's another mountain called Mount Kombuche. And there's an unclimbed ridge on there. Wow. I'd love to go do that. Like it's yeah. an epic line. You look yeah. at it, it's just like, whew, that's the king line. Yeah. Uh, so at some point, I'd like to go back and do that. Then at some point in the next couple of years, I'm going uh, skiing with a friend of mine called uh, a, a different Simon. Yeah. And we're going to go ski in Kyrgyzstan. And we're going to oh, climb nice. first. Uh, so I've been to this valley before climbing unclimbed mountains. And we're going to try ski through the whole valley. Nice. From one end to the other. We're like a few hundred kilometers and ski some unclimbed mountains while we're at it. So it all it, it's uh, it's some adventure. Um, the third one we might know this. Um, what's been what's been your uh, toughest day? Um, so I, actually, like, well, maybe it'll be a different answer in a, in twelve months' yeah. time. Um, but it wasn't actually uh, this having this accident yeah. at all. Um, I don't think I attended an avalanche as part of the Mint Rescue team in March last year. Right. Where three guys died and one guy survived. Wow. And that uh, had a bigger impact on me than I thought it did at the time. Wow. Did you see on Ben Nevis? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I stretched the guy out that was alive. Yeah. And his, he asked me if I knew how his friends were doing. At wow. that time, I knew that three of them were dead. Yeah. Um, and I had to tell him that I'd, yeah. You know, like, I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, but my job is to make sure that he gets out and he's yeah, okay. Yeah. And then after that, there was, uh, yeah, I was sat, out, sat on the balcony of the Mount Rescue Base, looking down, mm. eating a pack of Worcestershire sauce, crisps, soaked to the bone, seeing three three body bags in the mm. Mount Rescue Base. And I was like, it's just a pretty heavy day, man. Yeah, it's, I think, I think it's great Instagram and I think it's great that it inspires people to get out and do more. But I also feel like there's people out there who take on things that they don't truly respect. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think Scotland, these guys were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not having a ditch at anyone. It can happen to anyone. But actually, when you said Ben Nevis there, I thought you were going to say like some exotic, you know, peak somewhere around the world. And it's something that it's on your own back door. Oh yeah, like and the the it, weather that day was the worst weather I've ever wow. seen anywhere. Like I couldn't stand up in a car park. Wow. And we're just uh, and then we put getting this stretcher out. It was like it was like the ten minute microwave. But yeah. every time you hopped onto this, every time you were on the stretcher, it was like wow, maximum effort. Ten minutes. That's that that's a that's a really really tough one that is. Um, yeah. I've never tried so hard, actually. Like I was absolutely beasting myself to get in and then to get this this guy out. And do you think it's because sometimes people see things and they think, oh well, the three peaks goes up at every every weekend, and how hard can it be? Or is it just one of those? This things? was a bad. This was a a bad accident. You know, these three, yeah. uh, these four guys, uh, really talented climbers from Switzerland. Wow. And I'd come over to do some ice climbing. They actually, they turned around from something that day because they knew it was too dangerous. Oh, wow. So that, you know, they'd already made a good call. They were just wrong yeah. place, wrong time. Just how it goes, isn't it? It's, 
it's just that's unfortunately, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's that's adventure. Um, it, what draws us to it is the beauty and and the danger of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Is, it, that is the mistress. Um, on to number four. What's been your happiest day? That's another. I'm a really happy guy. Like I have, yeah. I enjoy lots of things. <laughs> um, I, or oh, I had an epic day a few years ago, um, or maybe a couple of years ago now, skiing a gully in Scotland with my friend Simon that I'm going to go to Kyrgyzstan with, and everything just sort of lines up. It's just one of those amazing days where the weather's perfect, the conditions are great, the company's good, mm. and a nice beer afterwards. You know, like that's a re- like that sticks in my memory as a really good day. Yeah. Another one climbing, really famous ice climb, uh, with Rob, who you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, top by, a, top a guy. Gully called Point Five Gully, and that was just like <laughs> another, just like epic day out where all these things have come together. Mm. But, yeah, just like loads. I have loads of really good days. In yeah, that. it's 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 a fair enough. And um, the final one. Um, what's next? either for you as an individual or as a company. Okay, cool. Well, so that bucket list thing, <laughs> it's like, uh, that's, that's really on my what, what's next personally. Um, as, a, as a company, as a guiding company, yeah. going to um, Mount Elbrus in August. Boss um, that. Yeah, uh, Rob and I are taking, uh, taking some clients. We're going to go from the north side which is like a huge glacial adventure yeah. up Europe's highest mountain, which would be ace, you know, yeah. lots of folk that came to Morocco with us. Yeah. Are, um, yeah. Ma- Mary's gone and Mary's made a commitment to, um, Mary's sat abs- right next to me. Oh, is she really? Yeah. 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 She's, she's made a commitment to be an absolute machine in 2020. Accountability sandwiches all the way. Accountability <laughs> sandwiches all the way. <laughs> nah, she's laughing. Like yeah, she's, uh, she's up here uh, doing some walking. So I uh, uh, definitely know she, um, She's absolute rocket. Uh, she'll be all over it in yeah, 2020, man. I have no doubt. Um, Connor, mate, it's been uh, absolutely epic speaking to you. We'll definitely have a part two because I don't want to rush. You can't rush greatness, so we'll definitely have to have a part two. That's um, what I say when I do a poo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's fair enough. Uh, where can people find your adventures and, and you're on social media and websites and all the rest of it? Uh, amazing, yeah, cool. So... Um... My website is Atlas Mountaineering, um, and it's the same on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, yeah, go, ha, give us a look. There's an atlasmountaineering.com. Awesome. Yeah, going all sorts of places, doing all sorts of things in Scotland and then abroad as yeah, well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's been Connor from Atlas Mountaineering. Uh, I can vouch for the guy's skill set, and I have been on one of his epic adventures, and it was epic. And uh, if you're looking to do the big mountains in style, then Connor and his team are the people that you need to be doing it with. Um, when opportunity strikes, you have to grasp it with both hands. Um, life is not about sitting in your underpants, eating Cheetos, feeling sorry for yourself. It's about getting out there and putting a claim on the world. Uh, this podcast has been a great opportunity for me to, to listen to people's stories and to think what's next for me. And I hope it does it the same for other people listening um, doesn't matter if it's Cat Bells, doesn't matter if it's Everest, as long as it's not your, your couch with Cheetos and um, feeling sorry for yourself. Um, it's soon be 2020. So, Connor, I wish you a very merry new year and a speedy recovery. And uh, I'll catch you in 2020, Mucker. All right. Nice one, man. Speak soon. Right. Adios.